0: Welcome back to Do We Like Movies? I'm your host, Angel.
1: I am your mediocre but still enjoyable host, Javier Lopez. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the movie we're going to (laughs) review.
0: Uh, first of all, before we get started, uh, we'd really like to thank, and, uh, well, first we'd like to apologize to everybody for not releasing our Jurassic Park 3 review last week, as we promised, but, uh, unfortunately, a lot of life got in the way on my end, uh, which kept us from doing this last week.
1: I'm gonna put the blame on you there.
0: (laughs) I'm fine with that. I can accept the blame for that.
1: But, I mean, yeah, I didn't really have much going on last week. I think all I did was get caught up on, you know, all the various content I'm currently consuming beautiful beautiful netflix content (laughs) uh
0: so this week we are here at a movie that you championed in a a previous episode Uh, that's (laughs) right 2001's jurassic park 3 (laughs) (laughs) so this is the third movie in the jurassic park franchise uh i'll get into i guess my thoughts on the series overall um Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, that's right. It's actually more than anything; it's one of my favorite books of all time. I just the if you read the novel, it's very dark, um, and it's super more in the vein of a Frankenstein story than I think the Spielberg movie ends up being. Um,
1: honestly, I mean, that's yeah, that's I, what it is, right? It's a retelling of a Frankenstein, right? Except the you know the stand-in is dinosaurs as opposed to uh, as opposed to you know a monster.
0: Yeah, it's so the novel was released in the year nineteen eighty nine, which is the year I was born in, um, and it was written by Michael Crichton. Who uh, you know most people would now recognize his works as the series h the HBO series Westworld is based on a movie that he made in the 1970s. But I think Jurassic Park is the book that really broke him through to mainstream audiences and mainstream fame.
1: Man, yeah, between Jurassic Park and Westworld, Crichton had a thing for like uh like amusement parks, right? And like kind of like this weird second life or uh, what's it called uh like alternate reality sort of thing? Like, gimmicks and, you know, those type of themes in his works?
0: Well, the interesting thing about Crichton's stuff is he's not really, like, I don't feel like he's that interested in telling the story of, like, the focus of his is not dinosaurs themselves. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's more of a monster movie on his end. Um, but I think he introduces something that that I feel like the Spielberg movies are way too afraid to tackle, and that I don't think that they really start rubbing up against it until Jurassic World, because they have to explain why raptors look like what raptors don't look like in real life um, mm-hmm. by then. And uh, and I think this movie has a lot to do with that, too, because uh, you know if you watch the original Jurassic Park and you see the raptors that show up in that movie, they're all very brown and dry-skinned and... You know, I feel like they took they took the skin from maybe like ideas from that of a rhino or an elephant or something like that. It's just something super lizardy and dry about how they look. Even though it's a very classic look. Um mm-hmm. in this movie, they started giving those dinosaurs different features uh based on discoveries that were being made in real life. So, for example, mm-hmm. like there was like an actual like bump or something that where their nose would just kind of raise up a little bit. And you Mm -hmm. see that difference in the design here. Um, They didn't have feathers as they did in real life. So they put like the weird quills on them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's where it started. Like it started trying to get closer to reality until, um, you know, Jurassic. uh, Yeah. Jurassic world. Sorry. Sorry. Until mm-hmm. Jurassic World just straight up saying, yeah, you know, I, who was it? Dr. Wu, I believe. Um, yeah. In Jurassic World that straight up says, you know, you didn't want realism. You wanted more teeth and you wanted scary. So,
0: and you know what's really awesome about that is that that is a – those lines are directly out of dialogue that he has with uh, John Hammond in the original novel. Where yeah, he like yeah. dis- where he describes um, the dinosaurs created in Jurassic Park is not exactly what dinosaurs would look like in real life he goes it 's just an artist 's approximation of what we think they would look like so it's again it's like I feel like Crichton he focuses more on the actual like monstrous nature of this, and I feel like his book is more about the dangers of genetic cloning than it is specifically about dinosaurs. Um, that said, his novel is really influential to the other parts in the series as well. Um, Jurassic Park, the novel, begins with a family vacationing in Costa Rica um, where their young daughter is attacked by a like a swarm of compies, which they end up using that as the intro for the Lost World movie that Spielberg will come back and direct, um, and... Interestingly enough, um, there's also a scene in the original Jurassic Park novel where uh, Dr. Grant, Lex, and Tim are all stuck inside a giant birdcage, mm-hmm. which is a concept that they recycled for this. There is one action scene from the novel that has never shown up in a movie yet that I fucking hope to God that Jurassic World 3 does to some extent. Um, and that is there's an awesome uh, action scene of Dr. Grant and the kids uh, escaping on a raft in the river where uh, they happen to f- you know, uh, float by a sleeping T-Rex. And the Rex wakes up and actually ends up like swimming after them in the water. <laughs>
1: uh, that kind of happens in this movie, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Um but I do want to say this, like I started reading I'm about halfway through uh Jurassic Park, the the ah, sorry, uh sorry. Uh the book. Mm-hmm. And on my first read through, I was like, Wow, this is so much heavy than the Steven Spielberg movie.
0: It's very Uh, dark. Like, you know, there's a lot of scenes in it where they talk about, like, you know, uh, raptors that would come in and take babies out of cribs and, like, eat them, like, you know, in hospitals. Like, that is horrifying stuff.
1: As opposed to the movies where a lot of the violence is implied and never exactly takes place on screen, in the book, I think what's so, uh, what's so masterfully done here is that it forces you to imagine it, you know? And the fact that, like, I remember that opening scene when they're in Costa Rica and they're talking about, um, you know, how there's, it's supposed to be, like, like this spirit, this evil spirit, right, that's, like, taking babies from cribs, and it's, like, it just fits right into the folklore of the local people, like, the local population, and it turns out it's not actually a ghost. It's not a spirit. It's something that you know. It's something that is uh, alive. Something that's understandable, but that can be just as terrifying as anything else. Which is a freaking raptor, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I'm I'm about halfway through the through the book. I love it. I can't recommend it enough. If you're a fan of the Jurassic Park series, like it's definitely worth picking up. It's it's bizarre because of the. It's one of those books that kind of takes place in a weird, timeless era, where because of what they're able to do with their technology, it feels like it can still take place like in the future, if not like modern times. But definitely, you know, when they start throwing around com- uh, like certain company names, like IBM and shit. You're like, oh, wow, this really is from the
0: 80s. Well, they, a lot of it, they talk about companies in Palo Alto. And, um, you know, we're from the Bay Area. And one of them being Genentech, which Genentech is a huge genetics company that, you know, actually exists here and um, has been a staple of this area for decades. So,
1: so it yep. does feel
0: rooted in a reality. Now, that we talk about all the seriousness in that novel... The
1: movie
0: the movie itself I is very much a Spielberg movie, right? It's uh yeah. it's all these characters and they're much nicer <laughs> than they appear in the novel. Uh Dr. Grants like entire arc in the in the movie is that he's a guy who doesn't want any kids and he ends up falling mm-hmm. in love with Hammond's grandchildren when he saves them. Um, you know, and it's kind. There's something kind of Disney about it, right? Um,
1: oh, it's very Disney, and like, and the, and I made a joke about it, how pretty much John Hammond is dinosaur Walt Disney. But when you compare him to John Hammond in the comic, I mean comic. Sorry, uh, I'm looking at my various comic books. <laughs> but when you compare him to John Hammond from the book, you're like. Wow, John Hammond is a piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah, he is an awful person in the novel. Um, like he doesn't, like he doesn't care about his workers. He doesn't care about the local population. He doesn't care about the animals. He's all about selling this idea, selling this dream, right?
0: And I, for gar- the, I feel like the character that more closely resembles the novel version of John Hammond is the character from. Uh, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, who is like introduces Hammond's partner from, you know, pre right before they did Jurassic Park. That actor uh-huh. and that character is a lot more close in personality and tone to what Hammond was like in the novel.
1: Man, I need. To, I still haven't watched Fallen Kingdom. Oh, so you haven't? Nah. Oh, nah, okay. I'm lacking on that. So, I'll, I'm definitely going to be catching up on that sometime this week.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: But so, I digest.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that, I mean that is an, it's it's a really good movie. It's a classic. Obviously, um, it became so popular that they ended up uh, doing a sequel, which is one of the few sequels that Spielberg ever directed, being the Lost World Jurassic Park. And you know that movie's okay. Um, I en- I remember enjoying it a lot more as a kid for some reason mm-hmm. because I guess I just loved Jeff Goldblum's character uh, more than I liked. I liked uh, Ian Malcolm more than I ever liked Alan Grant in the original you know, movie.
1: You know uh, what's funny is that I feel like that's kind of what divides fan- the fan base is if you're an Ian Malcolm fan or a, uh Alan Grant fan. Because I'm more of an Alan Grant fan, and I think that's why I like this movie, uh, Jurassic Park 3, is because you know you bring back Alan Grant. Yeah. And then it, it makes sense that I like this one and you like Jurassic World and then like Owen what's his name? Uh oh I forgot uh Chris Pratt's character, but right? I feel like I think it's
0: Owen Grady Who's his name.
1: Owen Grady? Alright. I think Star Lord, alright. He's like a nice happy medium between the two characters once you get to the new Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Um so that you know, Lost World it 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 was it did what it did it was a pretty decent movie, and I feel like they tried to go a lot darker um in terms of like just tone and how it looked and everything like it was a lot more jungle because they i mean uh it's a lot more foresty right like they shot that movie out in out in Yosemite or like somewhere in northern California, so it like yeah, you see the redwoods everywhere and it just it, you know it felt very different from the first movie which was like filmed in Hawaii. That was a lot more tropical looking. Um, what's interesting Mm -hmm. is that this movie Jurassic park three is shot in the same, you know, it's shot in Hawaii, just like Jurassic park one was. So I think that's why Mm -hmm. it feels a little bit more jungly and, uh, just closer, I guess, in spirit to what the original Island looked like. Now, this is a movie too, that like went into several different stages. Um, much like when we talk about the, the Halloween series and Halloween 5, this was a movie that went into production without a completed script.
1: And, oh, God.
0: And it was, I guess they had, like, they had a shooting script that was fully written, um, and I don't know what a lot of the details are from that script, but apparently they had an idea for what was going to happen with this movie, and it wasn't until shortly before they were shooting it That the entire thing like just kind of got rewritten to the point where William H. Macy and, um, you know, and and the Kirby family was like, they were all like completely different characters in this original script with different names. Um, And it ended up like changing um, before they went into shooting. So I remember the first time I watched this movie, it was when it came on theaters. Uh this was the first of the Jurassic Park movies that I did get to watch in theaters uh mm-hmm. i ju- I was a little young for Lost World. I just like you know I was just under the age where I would have had that much interest in it when it came out um and i remember <laughs> I remember liking it when I first watched it I guess uh because it just you know this movie is ninety minutes long and it's all action right yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it isn't until like now that i watch it as an adult where i just like question a lot <laughs> a lot of the logic in this <laughs> like there's one thing you can give the movie and that's dinosaurs exist this is a world where dinosaurs exist i will give the movie that but anything beyond that is just you know like these a lot of stuff happens in this movie that's a little hard to
1: swallow I know, it's awesome, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, God. So, my experience with this movie, I think I watched it when I was, like, nine, right? And I always liked Jurassic Park because dinosaurs. Like, I don't know, what else do you want from me this... The series has been around since I was like 3, so of course I liked it cuz of dinosaurs. <laughs> but yeah, same thing as you. Like I this is the first movie I this is the first Jurassic Park film I was able to watch in theaters. Uh and I was really excited about it. And I remember like This movie really stuck with me because of the action, because it seems so different than any of the other Jurassic Park movies, where it felt like there was a lot of drawn-out, not, well, again, this is in the the sense of myself as a nine-year-old. There's a lot more drawn-out scenes and a lot more, you know, exposition and story going on, and then all of a sudden there's dinosaurs. So if you're a fan of dinosaurs and just wanting to see dinosaurs do cool dinosaur shit, this is the movie for you. <laughs> and this was the movie for me, especially since it introduced you know the Spinosaur introduced a new dinosaur, and it gave you like a, after watching it the second time, I realized that the 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 there's not as there's not as big of a, a variety of animals in this movie as opposed to Jurassic Park, right? Where Jurassic Park, these, you know, it was meant to be a zoo. So, you know, you got these wide open spaces and you got, like, these beautiful set pieces of, like, bronchiosauruses, like, kind of like cattle in the field, right? Uh, you don't have nearly as many of these big dinosaurs, Um you know you just focus on like the 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 three four five different types you do have <laughs> it just so uh, it just so happens that you use the the they i think the three four or five dinosaurs that they did actually use they use very well um because in essence the, this is a monster movie and it's not your traditional Jurassic park movie and when you're able to watch it in that sense it becomes a little bit more enjoyable but um yeah as a kid this one scared the shit out of me so i i look back on it fondly because you know it was it it was one it was one of those movies that like it stuck with me even after um i don't want to spoil it because i want to talk to it when we get when we uh get to that scene but this movie changed how i saw uh pterodactyls like you know the pterodons Mm -hmm. um and it made me realize how fucking terrifying those
0: things are (laughs) okay so let's get right into it Uh, the movie opens up with a long shot of the uh of the island right uh where it talks of where listed as isla sorna and then it tells you it's a restricted area so this is directly a reference to the end of lost world Uh, at the end Mm -hmm. of the lost world uh uh, Ian Malcolm and his team were able to get enough evidence out to the world and you know when a t rex goes and destroys the city of San Diego, I guess that was enough for people to say, "Hey, this is going to be quarantined now and off limits <laughs> to everybody." Um, Finally, someone thought it was a
1: good idea to like keep the dinosaurs on the island <laughs> uh
0: so so you know it's a restricted area now um and the movie starts with you know, a uh, father and son is what it looks like in a in, on a boat with these uh, random, I guess, Costa Rican people uh, that are taking <laughs> them on these boat tours across, you know, around the island. Uh, and it looks like one of those places where you would pay a fee, like, to someone, a very shady, you know, job to... Bring you as close as possible to the island, so that you can just kind of like parasail over it so um mm-hmm. and so they you know right away this movie starts you know uh i guess in in more of a mysterious sense than uh any other movie in the series has uh mm-hmm. they they go through this mist, and when the father and son look down <laughs> at the boat all of a sudden without no stains of blood or anything like that, everyone just completely disappears off the boat, like, after they, like, go through the fog for one moment. And that's, like... <laughs> you know, this is really funny, because I'm going to bring this up in, like... To me, this is, like, a device that I see a lot of times in uh, in sequels to movies uh-huh. that have some sort of semblance of logic in the original one. Okay, so you remember one time... Um, We watched Next Friday, right? The sequel to uh, Ice Cube's movie from the 90s.
1: Yeah, of course I remember that.
0: (laughs) Like, why would I forget what you're talking about? Okay, so the best part about Next Friday is that the movie is infinitely more... Like, you know, the original Friday, it's just Ice Cube and Chris Tucker that are sitting on the porch. And a lot of it is just them. Like, a lot of it is banter and it's yeah. just like a really interesting, you know, story of two guys like in a south central neighborhood like on one day in the 90s, right? Yeah. Um the second movie is a lot more ridiculous and the you know, it's just it just gets a lot more outrageous and the best campier. and the best indicator of how how much campier that movie is than the original is when they show the 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 jail that Devo supposedly locked in and you see like him and Sticky Fingers like climbing out of the jail like <laughs> using sheets that are tied together to each other <laughs> in a jail that is so apparently minimum security that they can escape. And all I mean by that is that like, there are scenes in movies that will instantly tell you this is bullshit and a lot of the stuff we're going to do in this movie doesn't make sense. This is one of them. What could have possibly killed them? Can you answer that question for me? Sharks. A shark
1: would have jumped out that quickly? You don't know what kind of dinosaur sharks that were out there that <laughs> could have been a fucking pterodon, could have been sea rafters. Okay, it could have been a lot of shit. It did. actually
0: cannot be a pterodon, because the only reason why pterodons are able to escape is because later in the movie something happens that facilitates that.
1: You don't know that? could have been one of those black ops like pterodons that hides <laughs> in the water. Now, there is... No, first of all, shut up. No, there was blood, so it doesn't totally not make sense. Something bad happened to those people, yes. Does it make sense? That part is questionable. <laughs> I need more information before we continue. <laughs> Oh god! So at this point, yeah, it, we're introduced to Ben Hildebrand and Eric Kirby. They're the Eric Kirby's a twelve-year-old kid. Ben Hildebrand is his father, and it's not really shown exactly. But at this point, the the boat is going for the rocks, and I love this scene as an adult because <laughs> it's like overly dramatic for no reason because you know the the ship's going straight for these rocks or I'm sorry not the ship the the boat right the speedboat's going straight for the rocks and they got like the really dramatic music going on and he's like and then Ben is like fidgeting to try to get the 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 parachute unhooked so that they're not you know they can let go of the of the of the ship right or I mean of the ship of the boat and he and you know like Eric is screaming, and he goes, we're not going to make it! And Ben's like, shut up! Let me do this! Ah!" And then finally he unhooks it, and the boat ends up crashing, right? And (laughs) it's just so funny, because it was such an artificial, like, need to create tension, right? Like, it was an artificial, like, tension builder. Because I was thinking about it logically. The way the boat crashed, like, they would have been fine, (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if you realize. Like, there was like the boat didn't explode. The boat didn't like just like didn't like whip them around or it wouldn't have whipped them around or anything. Like they would have just been stuck there and eventually gone down to the to the ocean. If anything, it would have worked worked out better because the boat must have had a radio. They could have that was intact, so they could have swam over and radioed for help or something. But. Yeah, this opening scene, I get what they're trying to do, trying to be like, oh, let's raise the stakes right away. But they do it in such a goofy way that, you know, unless you're like me and are willing to super suspend disbelief, you're just like, okay, guys.
0: (laughs) So we jump from that. They end up snapping off the boat like, and going into the island to God knows where. And immediately we cut to uh, Alan Grant who is now returned from Jurassic Park 1, played by the wonderful um, Sam Neill. And, you know, this this is interesting because in the original novel for Jurassic Park, uh, Ellie Sadler and um, Dr. Grant are are not romantically involved in any way, right? Like, like uh,
1: at all! Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, she is, like I think, way younger than him. She's a student of his and uh, is actually, like has a fiancé that's, like, waiting for her back on the mainland,
1: so... Well, I don't know if she was a student, because she was brought on as a paleobotanist, right? So, I think she was just someone that was working with him in the in the book. Hmm. And I don't remember... Because I think she was, like, closer to his age, but still kind of younger. Because the thing is, I do remember there was a line where in the book where they say they brought... The whole reason they brought Ian alan and ellie on onto jurassic park was to see if that you know the the stuff they reproduced was a, enough to fool them you know so yeah. she had to be a, like at least a doctor in her no she she's
0: she's, she's a paleobotanist for sure yeah but i think she she is kind of an apprentice of his as well she's she's um noticeably younger is my yes understanding.
1: yeah that that's
0: uh, in that point yes you're correct yeah so in so in this one, they kind of go with that in that, uh, you know, Ellie is, is married to someone else now. And I guess uh, Dr. Grant is visiting. And he, like, you know, I guess they're sitting at dinner and he reminds her of the sounds that dinosaurs would, like, if she remembers the sounds that raptors would make. Because this movie posits a premise, a, a theory that is actually not true in real life. But they posit, like, a some sort of theory that, you know, raptors were able to communicate to such a high degree that had, you know, whatever destroyed them not occurred, that they would be the dominant species on this planet.
1: hmm
0: I don't <laughs> buy that.
1: <laughs> well, you don't buy that in 2019 when we know that, you know... Your your biggest rafter was maybe three feet tall, four feet tall, and looked like a giant, like, chicken, all right? I didn't buy f- this in
0: 2001, either.
1: Fuck you, don't me, lie! No, because to me... Shut not, up!
0: No, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, okay? <laughs> fuck you, because, no! No, fuck you, because to me, the T-Rex has always been, like, the ultimate predator in the dinosaur kingdom. So, I don't give a fuck, like, how well raptors can work together. There is no way that they were better, that they would have been the dominant species out of all the dinosaurs. It just doesn't... That doesn't jive with me.
1: You listen here, you baby-handed bitch. Like, you get, like, 24 raptors. They could take down a fucking T-Rex, no problem. I'm willing to... Well, okay, like... The other thing I don't like
0: about this movie is the absolute disrespect... That gets shown to Tyrannosaurus Rex.
1: Yeah, and, fuck it.
0: And and you know so so, but we'll get into that uh, a little bit from now. So <laughs> once we get past this, we are at some sort of college campus or somewhere where Alan Grant is doing some bizarre pre-Ted Talk. Ted Talk.
1: <laughs> Pretty much
0: <laughs> on dinosaurs, and everyone that's there asks him about the uh you know the island where even though he tells them, you know, I'd rather talk about actual dinosaurs or people are making real discoveries. Um, you know, like back in Montana where he's digging up bones again like he was in the original movie, and he doesn't want to think about these genetic monsters from this theme park that was created. Uh and the best part is that there's a they ask him you know, if you would want to get onto the island to study those dinosaurs. And <laughs> the only thing he says is, there's no force on heaven or earth that can get me onto that island. So, you know, immediately someone's going to get him onto that island.
1: Except for cold, hard cash, baby. <laughs> what I really like about this, though, like, these scenes is that it, like, it establishes how much Alan has progressed from Jurassic Park to, you know, Jurassic Park 3. In that, you know, when he first made it to, was it Isla Nubler, I think, in Jurassic Park? So when he gets to Isla Nubler, he's he's like a kid in a candy store, right? This is something that he's been studying his whole life, and he's looking at everything with a very childlike sense of wonder. And he's seen, like, something he never thought could be possible, and it's brought to life. And, you know, he had, like this excitement about him and then it's like after everything he went he went through in that first film and then everything that he i'm assuming saw go down in san diego in jurassic park 2 you know by the time he gets here he's he's just bitter he's tired he just wants to be like leave me with my bones right but he still has like this weird dark curiosity, like you know, like like when he's talking to Ellie and he's and he brings up like the noises that the that the Raptors used to make. He doesn't say it to someone that's afraid or someone that has PTSD, which I feel that he has every right to have. Right. He brings it up with like this like I was saying, this very dark curiosity, this dark intrigue. So I didn't buy it that he said there's no force in heaven and earth that would have brought him back to the island. I think he would... I think... Me, personally, like, if we're examining the psychology of these characters, I think he was just looking for an excuse to get back to the island. But that's just me, personally.
0: What they do, what what actually does end up bringing him back to the island, though, is uh, another character that gets introduced. So, first we're introduced to his new partner, his new Ellie Sadler, which is a young, handsome man named Billy.
1: Billy Brennan! And, um... God, that sounds such a generic name. <laughs> that's such, You know what that is? That's a very seventies Marvel superhero name.
0: Yeah,
1: like you know Clark Kent, Peter Parker, Billy Brennan. Like yeah,
0: no, it's it's definitely you know. So this guy's supposed to be like a younger version of Grant, I guess. In some ways, he is his protege, um, and he is the one who kind of introduces Alan to. Paul Kirby, who is played by William H Macy, who represents, I guess, a company called Kirby Enterprises, which immediately sounds—it uh, immediately sounds like a company that doesn't exist.
1: Kirby Trading and something—I forgot what it was—but <laughs> yeah, it's something that you're like, okay, this is what someone who knows nothing about business <laughs> calls their company. Well, the other thing too is like, I—I'll I, appreciate
0: this much in that this, again, this movie is still doing the mystery angle where it's not, you know, you're meeting these new characters and it's not fully explaining to you who they are. Um, so you're left to wonder, you know, what, how they all fit into this. Uh, and so, so Kirby invites them to meet him at a bar, uh, with his wife, uh, who's played by Taylor Leone. And, um, basically they just tell them that they are these adventurers and, you know they're 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 these super rich people who like to you know go up k two um apparently you know like like they talk about like all the all the adventurous like things that they've done in their lives in terms of travelling and how you know there's not really much that they feel like is left to do anymore, <laughs> and the best part is when she like decides to go that step too far. And, like, really raised the bullshit meter where she, like, tells Alan Grant that they're on the first commercial flight to the moon. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck is selling those tickets?
1: <laughs> I was like, you know, when you're, like, seven years old and you're trying to, like, you know, your friend will be like, oh, yeah, I went to the Grand Canyon. Then you'll be like, yeah, I created the Grand Canyon. <laughs> It's like,
0: uh, to me, it's just that that line about like being on the commercial, the first commercial airline to the moon, like stinks of like a fucking Donald Trumpism. <laughs>
1: and the best part is, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Kirby, William H Macy looks at her like shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you know,
0: like just like uh, uh, Mister Hammond gets them onto the island in the original movie with his checkbook. That is exactly the same way that, uh, you know, Paul Kirby gets uh, Alan Grant to go on this. Now, later in the movie, they mention that he's never been on this island before. Why does at this moment... Why at this moment does he not mention to them that he's never been on this island before?
1: Because, I don't know if you remember, they said that earlier that his dig site was in danger of being defunded. And they needed more Grant money. So... I was what I was thinking is he was probably like fuck it I'll figure it out how different can uh Sorna be from Nubler <laughs>
0: insert uh, white-haired guy from the fire festival documentary
1: <laughs> <laughs> over the face of Alan Grant <laughs> I'll brush my teeth and I drove over and I knew I was going to get that water one way or another <laughs> That was Alan Grant <laughs> Oh, God. So this
0: movie is fast. Like, this movie is super fast, because right after that, they jump to the equipment experts that are going to be joining them on this expedition. These
1: Uh, mercenaries that are blowing up planes with fucking giant, like, Barrett fifty cal, like, sniper rifles, which... I was like, damn, you can tell this movie had a lot of budget on account of all the random explosions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and there's a lot of, like, just, I'd like to call them dinosaur fodder that exists in this group of people, so I'm not really going to get into who a lot of these guys are.
1: Yeah, that's it. Like, it, it's it's funny how much fodder you can actually have with only, like, four other characters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Ridiculous moment number two comes next.
1: Which is Oh when, my
0: god.
1: <laughs> just I when they are I the airplane. And... I can't wait to destroy you with facts and logic. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh I cannot fucking <laughs> wait for this because <laughs> Dr. Grant is
0: sleeping on the airplane as they're uh going ever so closely to the island, and in his dream the entire airplane is empty and he turns around <laughs> and he sees a talking fucking raptor Calling his name before he wakes up. Okay, first yeah, of man. all, the raptor looks exactly what these new raptors look like, and looks nothing like what the Jurassic Park raptor that he saw in the first movie looked like.
1: It's called the premonition dog. Have <laughs> you ever heard of it?
0: This is kind of where I cringed again, and I was just like, wow, it's like this really does suck more than I ever thought it did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, fuck you. Second of all. <laughs> <laughs> I me personally, as cringy as it is and as stupid as that scene is, it makes perfect sense that no, he it has it. Yes, it does! It makes perfect sense he has a PTSD dream about raptors <laughs> as he's making his way to this island. Does it make sense why it's a uh why it's the new raptor as opposed to the original raptor he experienced? Again. There's not enough information on the subject for me to debate this. Oh, God. So, so he has the stupid dream. They're coming up on Isla Sorna. Alan Grant is starting, like, this is where you start seeing that childlike wonder again, right? He starts pointing out, you know, uh, some, of the, some of the dinosaurs that could be on the island that they start seeing, right, over the tree line. And then Mr. Kirby start, uh, tells the flight crew to get him in closer. This is where Ellen Grant starts having like a panic attack. And he's like, no, we're not getting closer. You need to turn us around, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden he just gets punched in the back of the head or he gets knocked out by one of the uh, mercenary guys. Mm-hmm. And that takes uh, and you know, when he finally comes to, that takes us down, they've touched ground on the island. And he wakes up to Amanda, I think is her name, Amanda Kirby, or Tia Leone. He wakes up to her screaming over and over for Eric. And so at this point, it's you know, it's uh, it's, it's established that the young Eric is um, Paul and Amanda's child. And I beyond think. that, we also discover
0: that the Kirby's are in fact not rich people, that you know, Paul Kirby instead of owning a enterprise or like a big large firm Actually, just owned a Peyton Tile <laughs> store. <laughs> well, I guess like they maxed out their savings
1: to like put together this trip. It would have been more stupid if it was just that they wanted to be adventurous. At least they're trying to save their. No, no, no. Kid, I'm not. What? That's not the part I'm so,
0: arguing here.
1: I think what I'm really you're not know, arguing the motivation. Is, I I think the fact that they
0: did not decide to make it ultra rich people and they decided to make it like not rich people who somehow made it on this island just doesn't make any sense to me. First of all, like, I have no idea, like, why why this kid and his stepfather, if they're not rich at all, like, why the fuck is do they decide one day, hey, let's go to fucking Costa Rica and, like, and 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 hand glide there? This is where the script, like, just starts to not make sense, like, at all to me. Um, no, dude,
1: it makes perfect sense, like... Explain it! They're divorced... You know, the Kirby's are divorced. You know, the the, the boyfriend was like, oh, Eric, you probably don't want to see all this. Let me take you to Costa Rica. You know what will make you feel better? Fucking dinosaurs, bro. So he, get, he takes him there to get his mind off the divorce. So if anything, Jurassic World probably stole that plot line from this, you know, masterpiece. Fuck so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you want from me, all right? <laughs> yeah, the script wasn't good. It's not the best movie, but it was 2001, I was 9 years old, fuck you, alright, I got to see Dinosaurs Fight, alright, I'm a simple man, I like dinosaurs, okay?
0: Oh, it's great, it is so great, because you find out that these people are frauds, they're running away, like, where they all kind of hate each other, um, and we are introduced to our, you know, main antagonist for the movie, this is not the T Rex. It is the it is the fucking goddamned Spinosaurus, which <laughs> is like the ugliest ass looking, fakest ass looking animatronic dinosaur that exists in this series. Um, it's not even really scientifically accurate anymore because I think the Spinosaur now is they believe to have walked on four legs, so it wouldn't fucking walk with the giant sail on its back like a T-Rex oh, no,
1: fuck you! First of all, you were like, oh, I love when Dr. Wu was talking about how these <laughs> monsters aren't, like, close to the original and now all of a sudden you're all mad because it's not scientifically accurate? Like, that's the point of Jurassic no, Park!
0: You want to know what the other plot line in this that, accurate. like, angers me to no end is? The fact what? that they, like, call out the fact that this dinosaur was never in any previous build sheet that InGen had put together and they go, Oh, well it wasn't, that wasn't on InGen's list. And then Alan Grant's like response to that is, Oh, of course not. It makes me wonder what other secrets they've got. You never find out any other secrets that any of these people got. You also never find out how it's possible that this thing was created and why you never saw it in the previous Lost World movie. Like, they hike around the entire island in Lost World. Like, there's, with the amount of times that the Spinosaur shows up in this movie, it really weirds me out that they did not cross paths in that second movie.
1: No, because the part of the island they were at was like a cordoned off Black Ops area that no one knew about.
0: But I think they actually end up going to the Visitor Center, which they went to in Lost World, to the to the extent that Alan Grant walks by a truck with a broken window that is a direct reference to Lost World, where Ian Malcolm is in a truck and a fucking raptor like busts his head through the through the car window so they have been in the uh, same areas
1: uh, i don't remember that nope
0: <laughs> well it
1: still fucking happened so <laughs> no nah, I, I i don't know what about. if it, i didn't see it it didn't happen
0: everything is because this fucking movie like i feel like that is a logic for a lot yeah. of the stuff that happens it's like just oh it's like, it. here's this thing oh it's just shut the fuck up and watch it this is the
1: fucking yeah. movie yeah, just shut up and enjoy it. God, stu- why you got to ruin shit with your stupid logic? <laughs> okay, well, besides the fact that
0: the logic is faulty, the next thing happened that happens is probably one of the worst things that I've ever seen in the Jurassic Park franchise ever, to the yeah, point well, where ju- to the point that Jurassic World fixes it by in making fun of it. So, in this movie, they are looking to escape the spinosaur uh, they end up where they see a dead dinosaur carcass. And Alan Grant tells them, oh, it's okay, it's dead. And that's when you get the T-Rex, which pops its head up. and yeah, uh,
1: stupid-ass T-Rex. <laughs> and it
0: roars and follows them into the dark jungle where it runs into the Spinosaurus. And the Spinosaurus and the T-Rex get into a fight and within seconds... The Spinosaur breaks the T-Rex's neck and starts eating it. This is bullshit.
1: This is just you being a homer for the Jurassic Park movies. But this part, like, I know you have a problem with it, but out of everything else in this movie, this is what makes the most sense to me.
0: (laughs) This is the element of this movie that feels the least Jurassic Park. That they kill off the T-Rex? Well, the, the the fucking Spinosaur, this dinosaur that we've never heard of, is now the ultimate dinosaur in this whole movie.
1: Yeah, because it was genetically engineered, man. It was supposed to be stronger than every other dinosaur, probably. I don't know. Why?
0: <laughs> I, you know, it is pretty terrible, and I hate it. But, you know, somehow they end up escaping this dinosaur over and over again. Uh, throughout the film, but uh, when they escape him this time, they end up, uh, you know, going to, I guess, Grant, like, somehow, just deduces that they need to get to the coast, because they may find a boat there, and that boat is what's going to help them get off the island. So Yeah, I mean,
1: I would deduce, yeah, probably by the ocean is the best idea.
0: That's not the ocean, though. They're talking about a
1: river. No, they were talking about the coast. The coast is the ocean. Because the river leads into the ocean. So they end up finding Ben's corpse. Um, He's still attached to the parachute. Billy grabs the parachute, because apparently Billy's thing is that he was an he was like an extreme sports, like, adrenaline junkie guy? Like, he's into base jumping, and he's into, like, I don't know, fucking surfing and shit. Like, he's every young adult in the early 2000s that, like, likes doing, like, extreme shit. So he grabs that, and they end up going through uh, Ben's um, camera, right? And it establishes that Eric is still alive somewhere on the island. So they end up taking the parachute, and they find a raptor's nest, where they find all these eggs, right? And Grant has this weird well not I mean it's not weird, it makes sense. Like, he's like, Oh man, let's let's get out of here. You know, raptors never stay too far away from their uh nests, right? Uh Billy stare you know, he's he stays looking at these uh at these eggs and next you know, next scene we see him in he's zipping up his lucky bag that saved his life. Um, implying that he's stolen uh, some of these uh, raptor eggs. And, um, yeah, that's when I'm like, okay, Billy, you're trash trash. Uh,
0: I actually never stopped liking Billy, and Billy is actually my favorite character out of all the human characters here.
1: So even when he stole the, uh, the eggs, you were like, yeah, you're not fucking over the rest of the group, are you?
0: I mean, I kind of understand it. It's if you're t- if it's what you say it is that they're like so hard up because they don't have um money to fund their dig that, you know, his thing was, "Oh, I thought I'm going to help by trying to make sure that we have funds now that we can use for our digs." You know what I'm saying? Now who's defending Jurassic
1: Park 3?
0: I'm defending the only character in this movie that I actually am entertained by. Really? Uh, nothing makes me less enjoying this than a grumpy, not wanting to be there Alan Grant. Um, A child who is, you know, who they do end up fighting. Uh, You know, Eric ends up saving Dr. Grant from these raptors uh, using a smoke grenade. He pulls him into, you know, some sort of old abandoned tanker truck where he's got, like... Where this guy has had food somehow for eight weeks on an island that hasn't been populated by people in years. Um... You're expected to believe that he's survived uh, this long on that island.
1: Yeah, remember when they went to that visitor center that I forgot about? And uh, they find food? So it's not like food isn't on the island. You probably found it somewhere. The only so, thing that they found
0: on the island was, like, fucking chocolate bars. Like, he, I don't know what the hell Alan Grant is eating when they're inside that tanker, but it looks
1: disgusting. And Probably, like, rancid peaches, I don't know. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, when you really think about it, like, uh, Eric's really hardcore. Like, he, they have that little back and forth where they he he talks about how much he loves Alan Grant's book, right? And how he talks about, you know, taking a dig at Ian Malcolm saying that Grant's book is better. Oh, I uh, hated that line too, by the way. I know, it was, oh, I love that oh, line. No, fuck fuck
0: that line. Fuck that line forever. <laughs> Team Jeff Goldblum forever.
1: Oh, we are still going to fight. <laughs> but you know, like he has that scene where he's talking about he get, you know, he gets the the bottle of piss from the T Rex, and he was like, "Oh, how'd you get that?" And Billy or and Billy Erics like, oh, "You don't want to know." I'm like, "That's such 2001 humor." I'm living for it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> What's it called? Um, that. I never as a kid when I watched it younger I never understood what the purpose of the of the T-Rex piss scene was but I think it's pretty brilliant uh, I'll say yeah, the one thing I mean, that's really brilliant about it is that really he just uses it because he douses himself in T-Rex piss when he goes out so other animals don't attack him
1: well, now when you get over the nastiness of the fact that he had to cover himself in like T-Rex piss and hasn't showered in 8 weeks yeah, that kid's probably a little ripe for it, to say the least, but I thought it was a really cool. Uh, it was a really cool concept that I wish they they would use again. You know.
0: Yeah, it feels like th- this part of the movie feels like it was part of a previous script that um, that never got the- that never got seen through. Like there's there's certain parts of this movie where it's just. I feel like it goes in these odd directions and it just never follows up on them. The same with the, again, just like when they mentioned the Spinosaur thing wasn't on InGen's list, it's one of those things that comes up and gets dropped. Um, His relationship with Ellie, like, comes up and gets dropped, and Mm -hmm. uh, this whole situation with Eric kind of comes up and gets dropped as well.
1: There's a lot of, like, it feels like this movie's bullet points of good Jurassic Park movie ideas that have zero follow-through. And that I can say, regardless of how much I like this movie, uh, that I can say, like, objectively, you know? Like, uh, or I'm sorry, subjectively. Like, that—that that is a knock on this movie. But, you know, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so, after Eric and Grant have that moment... Um, oh, wait, I did want to talk about that cool scene... Um uh happens a little bit before uh when Grant and the rest of the group get separated, right? Uh where we get to see how the Raptors coordinate for an attack. So the Raptors are hunting the rest of the group down and they hunt and they end up like getting one of the uh one of the survivors, I think it was one of the mercenary guys. Uh they end up incapacitating him with like you know they they end up, like, slashing at his back or something, mm-hmm. and they they leave him out in the yeah. open. And at this point, the Kirby's and Billy are hiding up in the, one of the trees, and I think it was the wife, I think it was Amanda, she tried to, like, climb down to help the guy, and all of a sudden, these raptors, like, jump out of the freaking bushes and try to jump up and bite at her, mm-hmm. and then, you know, they managed to pull her back before she can get her face ripped off. So when the rest of the group manages to bring Amanda back up to the tree, the raptors realize they can't go up and grab uh, the rest of the survivors. So on their way out, uh, one of them, like, digs its, like, paw, claw, into the guy, I forgot, the, the uh, man, I, he's, he doesn't matter because, like you said, he's dinosaur fodder. But uh, they you know, step on him, and then they dig that huge fucking claw uh, on 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 their foot, right in like the guy's back or like his head, like the back of his head, killing him, right. And I thought that scene was so cool, as a kid and as an adult, because you know the the whole you know the, the, the I guess you can say there's two antagonists, right? It's the the pack of raptors and it's the pack, or and it's the spinosaurus in this movie but you know while the spinosaurus is just a big dumb monster that it just wants you dead just cuz like the raptors actually have motivation and the raptors actually have like this capacity to coordinate and communicate which makes them that much more terrifying and i think it's it's The reason why, uh, it makes me think of that scene in Aliens. But that part where Bill Paxton's like, they're animals. What do you think they're high? Why do you mean they they shut off the power? Like, you know, it's that idea that these raptors, like the xenomorphs and Aliens, are supposed to be big, dumb, scary animals. It just so happens that they have the capacity to think rationalize something that only (laughs) humans are able to do you know
0: (laughs) i don't know if you've ever this is going to be a bit of a deep dive but that reminds me of like a gag that they did on the old um did you ever watch the show the critic uh starring john levitt's
1: i'm uh, i'm familiar with it
0: yeah so it's like i guess a lot of the same creators as the simpsons and there was even like a crossover episode for the springfield film festival one uh, yeah, but, yeah. But so they would like always pick movies that they would make fake sequels to, or like you know just like all these ridiculous movies that he would be reviewing on his show. And one of them, in <laughs> one of them, uh, the he's reviewing a movie called Jurassic Park Two, and this was even before Lost World ever came out, so it was just like a gag for this for the show, right?
1: Um yeah. Where
0: it's like the same uh, where it's Alan Grant and. Ellie and the kids and they're all running away from the Raptor and they all start like, you know, saying, oh, the Raptors can open doors now. And it shows like them opening a door. (laughs) And then like when it comes in, like you see like a Raptor, like, uh, talking in a British accent with glasses on with a newspaper, Kind of making a joke about how smart the dinosaurs got. (laughs) So when you talk about communicating and setting traps, like, for some reason, all I could think about is that fucking gag from the
1: critic. Yeah, you're right. That was a deep dive. (laughs) But, you know, like, it's something that was shown earlier in the movie, too. Like, when they're running away from the raptors at the engine Center. And they manage by they I mean Alan and uh, no, I think it was Billy and Amanda, they managed to pin one of the dinosaurs with the um, with like a chain link fence up against a wall and oh no, they 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 try to close themselves in, right? So they try to they, they push the door up against the wall to protect themselves from the from the raptor and it jumps on and it, and it can't realizes it can't get at him. But then it looks up And they make this big showy, you know, motion that it looks up at the top and it notices there's a gap that it can climb through and it starts climbing up. So, you know, this movie does, I don't know, it, it really puts the raptors over. It makes the raptors look like if they were terrifying enough in Jurassic Park. These specific raptors, they yeah, they 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 really scared the shit out of me.
0: <laughs> They're probably the best part of the movie for me, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think that's really fair. Grant, Eric, and yeah, Grant and Eric reunite with the rest of the group. Billy, at this point which is just Billy, um I forgot what the Kirby's names are Amanda and Paul. They end up reuniting with them uh after the Spinosaur starts chasing Grant and Eric. Uh I think it was after oh wait, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So Eric re- uh recognizes uh his dad's ringtone from the satellite n- uh cell phone that he carries on him.
0: Ooh, so which he... I had like a total like flashback to like the early two thousands where everyone's right? had that like ridiculous eight-bit sound <laughs> <to it>. <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> that, i know dude like that really took me back to like my dad's first cell phone how proud of it he was <laughs> i mean that just goes to show you dude nokia's they're fucking indestructible
0: took me so back to early... getting phone calls from my lady friends on Ooh. and i would hear those like ridiculous sounding nokia ringtones
1: yeah but you would have to wait for those phone calls after nine o'clock when your minutes were free
0: Oh man, you are taking <laughs> me
1: back. <laughs> this movie is taking me back. <laughs> Welcome to 2001. <laughs> oh god. So, um earlier in the film, the Spinosaurus ate the I don't remember when it happened. I just remember it happening that the Spinosaurus ate the phone, ate uh Paul Kirby's phone. And I just kind of accepted it. I was just like, yeah, sure, why not? So they end up hearing the ringtone again, which I think is a very clever device, right? That that's the way that they can locate the the monster now is that because they ate the phone. So when they go chasing it, they find the Spinosaur just staring at him. So they end up, the, the, the Spinosaur starts chasing him around they reunite with the rest of the group after uh, slipping through a fence that they thought they were, that would keep them safe from the Spinosaur. The Spinosaur ends up smashing through the gate, like, holy shit, I didn't even know that was even possible, and it starts chasing them into the Visitor Center. So, the visitors uh, at the Visitor Center, that's when Alan Grant finds out that Billy, or he confirms that Billy stole the raptor eggs. Cause that's the only reason why the raptors would attack them the way they have. So they have this moment where Alan tells Billy that he's no better than the people that created this Island that created these dinosaurs. But I mean, I guess based on, you know, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like Billy did go with the noble intentions and or i mean he did do it with the noble intentions it was one of those things you know the the path to hell is paved in good intentions, sort of thing uh like i get why he did it and i also get why um why grant was so pissed about it uh because again grant is the only one that has experienced this what they're going through before yeah um uh, So that takes us into the giant birdcage scene, which I think was freaking perfect. Like, it was awesome. And this was, like I was mentioning earlier, if Jurassic Park 3 is a bullet point of Jurassic Park ideas, this, in my opinion, is probably the one that was, like, in bold and italics and circled, like, several times. Because I'm a huge fan of this scene.
0: So so am I. I. Again, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, this is a scene that's directly lifted from the novel. So any chance that I get to have material from the original book, which I hold so near and dear to my heart, show up inside a film, I will take it.
1: <laughs> so, Inside the Birdcage... It's uh, yeah it's essentially a giant aviary right like it's a close off aviary that allows the pterodons to be able to fly um and it's on this riverbed so as the group tries to cross the you know the river through that uh through that bridge that scaffold bridge kind of um they start hearing a thump and, like, start hearing, like, something is uh stomping on the bridge, you know, coming towards them. Now, this is done very well, where you can, you know, it's misty, you can't see anything, and then suddenly you see the point of the Pterodon's beak, and... You're like, what is that? And then it takes a step closer, and you see everything. You see the long needle nose. You see the big arms, the wings. Like, this freaked me out. Oh, as it, it looks
0: it looks so fucking weird to see it uh, doing that awkward walk across the bridge, <laughs> where yep. it just kind of comes out in the mist. That is actually the creepiest thing in this movie.
1: The pterodons were the most terrifying thing in this movie and that freaks me out Every, and you know like i don't know why it's so unnerving later on in the same scene there's that part where you know everyone's down on the on the on the riverbank right and then um you know it, well well that i don't want to get ahead of myself because it kind of like spoils some other things coming up that i do think we do need to talk to or talk about i mean um You know, the the group ends up getting separated again, Eric ends up getting picked up by one of the Pterodons, taken over to a Pterodon nest, where he is being attacked by all the little baby ones, and it's funny, because I I thought it was funny, even though it's kind of morbid, where he just starts, like, kicking them off, uh, kicking them off the the ledge to, like, protect himself, because I was like, oh, damn, good thing they can't fly, (laughs) Because, you know, it reminded me of those weird uh, pterodons from Jurassic World, the really small ones that could fly. So I didn't know if those were, like, engineered, you know, to be closer to, like, actual pterodactyls or the ones from Jurassic World. Uh, but, you know, like, as he's kicking them off, he's trying to, like, save himself. Um, and then Billy has his redemption moment where he... Takes the the parachute, climbs up uh, to a ledge, and jumps off so that he can. And he pulls the chute so that he can fly around and, uh, d- you know, like distract the uh, the pterodons and save Eric. So as he saves Eric, the uh, one of the one of the pterodactyls like attacks the rest of the group, and they fall to the water. Uh, one of the Birdcage just falls on the on the uh, pterodactyl and like sinks it to the bottom of the river. And as they like are trying to reunite with the rest of the group, they they have that really creepy pterodon that like staring off into the distance. And then it turns and it looks right at the group and it looks right at the camera and it's just so unnerving. It's so creepy looking, like. They just look so lifelike, like, they look like they have these dead eyes, but it's like a lifelike motion where it just made me feel so uncomfortable that I shit you not. Like, as a kid, it scared me to be in, like, in the shower. Like, I could not be in the shower because I was afraid that if I closed my eyes, like, because of the mist from from, from the shower... That I was gonna see a pterodon.
0: Oh my god! I I thought I was the only one who got that. I swear to you, I don't know if it was like after I watched this movie, but there was a time when I was younger where I swear to you, every single time I closed my eyes, especially if it was like dark in uh, in the bathroom, like I feel like I would see like some of the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. (laughs)
1: Right? like I'm glad I'm not the only one too Because that
0: freaked me out as a kid (laughs) I don't know what that means That we've both seen that
1: Oh my Oh god dude But yeah, that whole scene was pretty crazy I fucking loved it
0: The only thing that I did not like about this scene Is that my boy Billy is now Out of the movie Because he dies in this scene And uh, so did a lot of my interest. (laughs)
1: and then he could stop giving a shit about the movie for the next like 20 minutes but I mean he went out like a real one like I thought it was really like yeah it was a very telegraphed arc but that didn't make it any less satisfying you know so the rest of the group ends up escaping the aviary after Billy sacrifices himself to uh have the pterodons attack him, right? Um, so that takes us to pretty much, like you were saying, this movie's very bang, bang, bang. That takes us to another uh, another scene, or pretty much the climax of the movie, which is the river scene. So uh, the group finds a boat, and that they end up... Retrieving, uh, or they end up uh, getting the phone back from um, the spinosaurus. The, fi- the spinosaurus finally pass the phone out, and it's in a giant pile of dinosaur shit. Something. What is it with these movies and dinosaur shit? <laughs> yeah,
0: this time it's a lot grosser than the dinosaur shit in the original movie. Like they like find bones and watches and stuff in there, and it's just like, yeah, like it's- gross.
1: Like this thing, d- I, and I, like this thing does not know how to digest humans apparently. <laughs> and plus, it's raining, so it makes everything even grosser. So they end up pulling the the phone out, and now they gotta like talk into it. But um, Grant Grant tries to use the phone. You know, they say that they only have enough juice for maybe one or two phone calls. So they're trying to get a hold of somebody that can help them, and uh, Alan tries calling Ellie to try to to try to get some help because I think her husband is like I don't know what is it ever like said outright what he does. Just that he works at like the Capitol Building, right?
0: Who? Sorry.
1: Uh Ellie's uh Ellie's uh husband?
0: Oh yeah, that I'm not sure. I'm really not sure what he does and he yeah, makes like he, so little impression.
1: Like he's not really there, but it's said that that he like works at the for the government. He works in, like some capacity for like the Defense Department or something.
0: Well that's convenient.
1: I know, as it just so happens. Yeah, it's great writing, dude. Shut up. So We get to the Spinosaur attacking the boat on the river, and all the while, uh, the group continues losing the phone. They keep trying to use it, so they call Ellie. Her three-year-old son ends up picking up the phone, and then Alan Grant, while trying to fight off the Spinosaur is also trying to convince this three-year-old that, you know, to go get his mom who's outside. And my favorite part of that whole scene is that the kid ends up getting distracted by Barney the Dinosaur (laughs) while this group is, like, trying not to get murdered by a giant, like,
0: death machine. No, the other part about this that is actually even more entertaining for me because (laughs) it drives me crazy is when Ellie eventually does come inside the house to pick up the phone... The only words that Grant can get out <laughs> are the river, site B. How can she deduce from those words? Like, how would she know exactly where he is just based on those words? She wasn't in Lost World, so side B isn't something that, would, that she would think of immediately. And the fact that he just said, like, he, he could literally
1: be anywhere on Earth. Now, here's the thing. Like, I want to agree with you that this is super dumb. <laughs> that all he can has to say is "sight be in the river" and she'll get it right. Like, I really want to be like, "Yes, that's dumb." I agree with you, but I like. I'm just starting to think about like the group, right? Uh, the original, the original cast that Ian Malcolm, Alan Grant, and Ellie Sattler probably. You know, maybe they're not friends per se, but at the very least, had some sort of connection. They all had like a shared trauma that they went through. I so guess, it's,
0: but it's so the, it's the a kid sa- takes a shot at, at Malcolm, and and Grant just kind of says, "Oh, well, that's something we both can agree on." <laughs> so yeah, obviously I love that. Really talk to him.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's a safe assumption that they probably, at the very least, do keep tabs on each other and do talk to a certain extent. So to me it's not a crazy out of the realm of possibility that Ellie was familiar with Isla Sorna and that she would know what Site B meant, you know? I mean, I guess.
0: <laughs> it's just what <one laughs> it's just what I know it bothers you it's with...
1: like I like I get it. Like again, this is me trying to defend this movie too. <laughs> So I'm just saying It makes sense to a certain extent That she would understand that So they end up Setting the river on fire Which is pretty (laughs) fucking metal (laughs) (laughs) And just like in Frankenstein The fire scares away the monster And the Spinosaurus goes Running back into the jungle Because apparently fire bad so
0: I mean, sure. I wouldn't want to get burned.
1: <laughs> so it's morning. They fought through the entire night, and they get, you know, right when our survivors trying to make it to the coast, they get surrounded by these raptors, and. You know, at this point, the the you know it looks like the rat like it looks like they're fucked. So they present the eggs to the raptors, so that the raptors can take them and head back to their nest and leave the survivors alone. Uh, it looks like that's not gonna happen. So... Oh
0: right, this is the scene where Grant pulls out his raptor flute that was like three D printed. <laughs>
1: Wait, exactly. So first of all, I want to. I want to bring up the fact that this movie introduced a 3D printer way before it totally took off. So, way to, like, predict the future, Jurassic Park 3. That's something else positive about this movie. <laughs> if you can suspend disbelief, like, this is either really stupid or really cool. <laughs> no, it is fucking stupid. <laughs> Fuck you! He's the Pied Piper of Raptors! His raptor flute was fucking awesome. Shut up.
0: I literally can't stop laughing at the word raptor flute. <laughs>
1: oh my god. So he plays that wicked awesome raptor flute and and the best part to me is that he plays it, and he plays one note, and it pisses off the Raptors, and then Kirby's <laughs> like, try some, Or was it, play a different song, or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> or he's like, play something else. It'd so be yeah, awesome
0: it. if, like, <laughs> his other sound is, it just sounds like a recorder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he starts playing Careless Whisper on a recorder. <laughs>
0: Oh god. But it's like once he does that, uh they like start hearing this rumbling in the distance and all the raptors like kind of turn and look up so they just take their eggs and walk away. And this movie is so weird <laughs> cuz I feel like it just abruptly ends like <laughs> like the entire story hits a wall. Like you know what it reminds me of? It, it reminds me of i'll i'll go ahead and fucking spill the beans but when i was in high school i tried to write a script to something um (laughs) (laughs) and i just remember spending days like trying to write this script and i'll never tell you what it was about but i was um like there was a certain point where i tried to because i tried to write the entire thing in order And I never really thought of, like, doing, like, a treatment or anything like that. Like, I just went straight to trying to write a script with dialogue and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a certain point where I don't know if I got bored (laughs) writing it or if I just felt like I didn't have any idea for a story left. (laughs) And there's, like, these, like, several pages where... You know everything feels completely fucking pushed to the side and rushed compared to how like slow and drawn out the first
1: part of it is. <laughs> it's like a kid trying to write their like book report, where he takes so much effort in the beginning, and then, and then you dick around for a week and you're like, oh shit, it's due on Monday. <laughs>
0: I swear to God, when I was in college, (laughs) I had three months to write a research paper, (laughs) and I did about one-eighth of it (laughs) over the span of two months, and I did the entire (laughs) rest of it in a fucking week.
1: Oh my God! (laughs) That is what this feels like. Oh, shit. Uh, Yeah, it felt like someone someone was just like, just fucking slap an ending. What should we do? I don't know, have Alan Grant play a raptor (laughs) flip. And then he goes to the beach, and then he sees, like, a guy, like, fully
0: clothed with a megaphone waiting for (laughs) him. Implying that the guy should have been naked. (laughs) And, And then all of a sudden, like, all these, like, marines or... Navy people show up or whatever?
1: Yeah, it was Marines.
0: Okay, well, they all fucking show up on the beach to take gonna, them off the island.
1: They're going to fucking murder some dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I,
0: I don't even know if that's the case. I think that Grant is going to fucking jail. <laughs> I, mean, I mean... The Kirby's and Grant should be going to
1: jail. Like this, They may not be able to leave Costa Rica. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's, that's a fair assumption that that's exactly what happened because no one from this movie ever comes back. I mean, even Ian Malcolm comes back for uh, Lost Kingdom, right?
0: Fallen Kingdom.
1: Shut the fuck up, <laughs> God!
0: Fucking nerd. We're reviewing the fucking Jurassic Park franchise. You gotta say the movies, right? So yeah, then they see like the ter- the pterodons that are like flying towards the mainland. And... Shut up!
1: Your boy Billy's
0: back. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, Billy returned.
1: <laughs> I you mean... fucking cared so much about him. Well, th-
0: I stopped caring about the movie when he died at first. So. <laughs> but I saw he didn't it. die. Yeah, but then I saw him again, and I was like, "All right, cool, whatever, bro." Like,
1: <laughs> all right, cool. This movie doesn't suck balls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, this movie sucks anyway. That's kind of my thought. <laughs> so I've been trying to really defend this movie, right? And I'm, I think I, I think everyone can agree when this episode comes out. It's like, holy shit, Javi's really trying here. <laughs> the one thing I cannot forgive this movie for is when they fly, when the the helicopters are flying away. And then the pterodons are flying next to the helicopters, and they're like, and then Eric's like, "Where are they going?" And then, uh, and then Grant's like, "Oh, to find a new world or find a new home or some shit like that." And he looks with like a smile as the pterodons fly in the distance. I was like, "No, no, you shut up." These things almost killed you. Why the fuck are you looking on, on with such pride about these fucking monsters? Like they're going to find a like a, a, a city center, and they're going to kill people if they are not stopped.
0: Oh, which is awesome, because if we ever get a chance to talk about Jurassic World, the original Jurassic Park 4 script. Like the one that was closest to becoming a movie starts with, ter- with Pteradons uh, invading a baseball game.
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> this should be super like people should be worried that they saw these pterodons fuck Billy up and now they have and that was inside of a like enclosed cage. And it's like you're telling me that there was someone at one point had the logical or the logic like tracking to be like this is a terrible idea. Let's use it for the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> or this is a not a terrible idea but like something terrible that's going to have huge repercussions.
0: <laughs> so Oh god. Comedy. Do yeah, you was... like Jurassic Park 3?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I still like this movie and I'm going to tell you why. I thought that like I said at the beginning, I felt that even though this movie is a bullet point script as to what uh you know the the filmmakers thought a Jurassic Park movie should be, I feel like there is enough here to enjoy. As far as if you like a monster movie, if you if you like I mean, not really a horror. Like, I wouldn't classify it as a horror movie. I mean, some people might try to make that argument. But, you know, like, it it introduced some pretty cool concepts that, in a Jurassic Park movie, it rips, like, some scenes straight from the Jurassic Park book. And I feel that even, you know, it feels like, you know, it... It was that attempt to make Jurassic Park edgy and dark, right? And some people may not like that. By which I mean, a lot of people may not <laughs> like that. But at the very least, it wasn't afraid to try new things. You know, whether it was the Spinosaurus, whether it was the 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 dinosaur. I'm sorry the um, the it, whether it was the Raptors, whether it was you know making the uh, The the Pterodon's more frightening, right? Like, I felt that that they tried to work with less and tried to do more with those dinosaurs. Uh, I still like it. I enjoyed watching it. It gave me some nostalgia watching it. And, um, yeah, Alan Grant, they tried to make him more Indiana Jones than Alan Grant, but especially with the stupid hat, and I was totally cool with it.
0: Um, I definitely have to say I don't like this movie. Um, yeah, because you're
1: trash. <laughs>
0: much like when we talked about The Room a couple weeks ago, I, I, you know, where I talked about how I think it's a joke that I just don't get. This movie, I just, I I get what it's trying to do. I just, I'm not here for it. and mm-hmm. And it's just been... I thought I liked it a lot more than I did when I ended up watching it for this review. (laughs) And I can't say that it's one that I feel the need to go back to. Not to mention, to be honest, like I feel like Jurassic world, much like Halloween 2018 has rendered like the previous Jurassic sequels useless at this point.
1: Oh yeah. Um, No, I totally agree with that. If you're talking about Jurassic world, it totally invalidates Jurassic park three and it totally invalidates lost world. And I'm totally
0: okay with that, <laughs> even though like you know there's a there is a youtuber that I love to follow um I think his name is Clayton Fioretti, and he is a guy who all he does is do like mini docs on different aspects of Jurassic Park movies, so it'll be like one where he like reads reads an excerpt from the book with like animations. Or like where he talks about uh, original versions of certain scenes and video games that were never completed. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that he like gets into is a lot of the uh, viral marketing for Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And how there is a lot of viral marketing for those movies that suggests that the Spinosaur is the first in-gen hybrid that was created. And that's why this uh, dinosaur stands on its hind legs in Jurassic Park 3, and it is what, I guess, they used to pilot um, whatever they end up doing with the... uh,
1: Indominus.
0: With the Indominus in Jurassic World.
1: It's funny you mention that, because that's always what I figured, even as a kid. But it could be because I also read a lot more into Jurassic Park 3 when I was a kid. Like, I remember reading... I forgot where I, where I ended up getting it from, but I do remember reading that the the raptors and the spinosaur were all like, as opposed to every other dinosaur where it was like you know the genes were taken from the genes were taken from, um, the genes were taken from uh, what's called the, the sap, right, and then uh, combined with other reptilian DNA to be able to fill in the gaps. Like, I remember it being canon, quote unquote, that the Spinosaurus and these raptors from Site B were the first dinosaurs to be, um, yeah, to be tinkered with that way. That were, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Expressly given certain traits, I guess, to make them more, uh, to make them more terrifying. Because I remember that was the whole gimmick, like, the the marketing gimmick for this movie was we're trying to introduce, like, hybridized um, versions of these dinosaurs. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I bought a toy of a raptor crossed with a a pterodon. And I fucking used to love that toy because it looked so radical. But, you know, like I remember that being the the gimmick that was used to sell this movie was that these monsters were supposed to be hybrids or these dinosaurs were supposed to be hybrids. So yeah, that actually that makes a lot of sense if that if that's you know the case and and um, you know Jurassic World and I was about to say Final Kingdom and, <laughs> and Fallen Kingdom. You're just gonna
0: keep like changing the name of that movie.
1: I'm just going to keep renaming it to better shit.
0: Final but Lost you know, Mega Kingdom.
1: <laughs> Limit Break. <laughs> it's just going to be that uh, you know, it, if it's use, if it's still trying to keep those uh original sequels canon, like it makes sense.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean
1: sure. <laughs> <laughs> Take your stupid movie. So <laughs> There you guys have it. Javi valiantly defends Jurassic Park 3 while Angel fucking eats shit and shuts up with how wrong he is. <laughs> uh,
0: we Again, we'd we like to thank everybody for uh, staying with us uh, while we had to take a week off um, and <laughs> hanging in there waiting for this episode to come out. Uh, I, I think the only thing about next week is uh, we're going to try to get an episode out Um earlier in the week um maybe even before next week starts because i am going to be out of town next week and i won't be able to record an episode so we're trying to record two episodes this week so that we will have content available um for next week and that there won't be like a lapse in in new episodes um yeah. next week we're actually going to be getting into the second of our uh awful sequels double feature and that's going to be the 1977 sequel to William Peter Blatty's uh Exorcist uh adaptation um which is called Exorcist 2 The Heretic and uh oh my god uh this is a movie that you've never seen uh this no, is a I movie this is a movie that I saw once on AMC uh, at this point seven years ago so I cannot wait for us to get together and watch this movie because this is going to be <laughs> this is I and if it's exactly the way I remember it was <laughs> we're going to end up having another very interesting conversation about shit that don't make no sense yep <laughs> So, and this uh, one
1: I don't feel nearly as passionately about, so I am probably going to go back to being a shithead.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely the fan of the franchise. I don't know how much I'm going to defend this movie, though. Um, but, you know, you'll have to tune in next week to find out. Uh, yep. So thank you for joining us again. Um, please, please, please keep interacting with us on our Instagram page and our uh, Facebook page. Uh, for Instagram, we are at uh, Do We Like Movies Pod. And on Facebook, where do we like movies? Um, so please engage with us on social media. Give us suggestions for future episodes that we should be doing. Um, please continue to leave reviews on our iTunes feed uh, or any platform where you're able to leave ratings and reviews uh, so that we can get the word out about the show a lot more. Um, and I really can't say thank you enough to all the people that have been, uh, tuning into the show and listening, uh, to our previous episodes. We definitely feel a lot of the love, um, from the folks who are listening to the show now, so.
1: Yeah, we appreciate every single one of you turds. <laughs> uh,
0: so, uh, I guess this is it for this episode. Um, until next week, I am Angel. And I'm Javi. Later, turds.